our victory. Couldn't be better for us as we transition into the, into the message this morning. If you have something to write on, uh, we're going to do kind of a workshop style thing this morning. So grab your phone for notes or a journal or something like that. Middle schoolers, uh, you are invited to head on back through there. And uh, got a class for you. So we are, good morning, I'm Ryan, hi everybody, hi, it's good to see you, oh, watch out, (laughs) Vanessa, she told me she was giving me a buzz cut and I trusted her and then I walked out with this, so, now I'm kidding, it's a thing. Um, (laughs) whoa, whoa, a Euro mullet, it's different than a down South American mullet, right? (laughs) I feel like I've been duped. Um, Oh, you guys are great. Um, So inheritance, we are in our series on inheritance. Every year we begin uh, as a house, as a church, as a family. We go through intimacy, identity, inheritance. And so this morning, we're continuing on on that journey in inheritance. And and I have a a hunch looking over um, some of the things that the Lord's putting on our heart and putting on my heart that we're probably going to be in this particular section for a few weeks. There's a lot of activation, I think, and a lot of really fun sort of, as we've been saying, the word workshop. There's a lot of... A lot of things that can go on, I think, in this particular reality where we ask the question, like, if Jesus is our victory, what are we doing with all of that victory? Like, what are we doing with all that God has accomplished and done for us? What do we, what do, we do with that? And, and how do we carry it? And how do we release it? So, so, so we're going to spend this, some time on inheritance. Um, I've defined it several times over the years, and it always tweaks a little bit, but this is, this is sort of the working definition that we use around here. Our inheritance is all that God is accessed by faith in Jesus Christ. That is our access point. It is the coming into relationship with Jesus is our access point to the Father. And, it, and, and our inheritance is made manifest in us and around us by the indwelling and empowering of the Holy Spirit, which we steward for his purposes and for his glory. So when we talk about inheritance, we're not talking about um, necessarily resources or finances or anything like that. We're also not talking about accumulating. What can I get? We're not talking about putting ourselves at the center of the story. Oh, look, look what I can do and look at the things I get to do. We're not, we're not talking about this. This is things that the full life of Christ that we steward and release into the world around us for his purposes and for his glory. And so we have been made right. This is what scripture teaches us is that we have been made right with our father God through Jesus. And because we have a father, then we have a family that we're in. And in that family, we have an inheritance. And one of the things that our enemy does, one of the things that lies do, that, that comes in and tries to convince you that you don't have full possession of something that God has given you freely. And so as the enemy tries to convince you that you're not worthy to access your inheritance, that you're not able to access your inheritance, that your, your, your history or what's going on behind you in the past is too much, and the enemy works diligently just to get you to believe that you can't access your inheritance fully and also to make it so that we feel like we have to earn something that God has given to us freely. This is a trick as old as time to say, oh, do you really have 
full inheritance in Christ? Yes, I absolutely do. But for us to believe that and work in it is that the enemy wants to just get us to disqualify ourselves before the game even starts, before we even walk out, before we roll out of bed in the morning, that he would get us to disqualify ourselves and live beneath the victory that we have available to us in Christ. And so we, ha- we are under this constant barrage of lies, of, of doubt, of fear, and, and, and not that those things are necessarily bad, but they, are, they can come against us so powerfully and so consistently that we can start to wonder, what does my inheritance look like, and do I really have access to it fully in Christ? And so this morning, I want to spend some time just talking about that and assuring you that what we have in Christ and what Jesus has done has made us worthy to receive this inheritance that the Father has for us, that we wouldn't say that we're unworthy if Jesus says that we are worthy, that we wouldn't look at what he accomplished on the cross in his life, his death, his resurrection, his enthronement, that we wouldn't look at that and go, I see, Jesus, all the things that you did, but you don't know my past. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the things that I've engaged in. It it clearly, like, your death and resurrection is super powerful for everybody else, but my story's different, right? And so it's pretty silly for us to ever find ourselves in a place where we're arguing with God and Jesus about about what we have access to and trying to tell him, no, my, my life, my mistakes, my this, my that, disqualify me. But when we come into this place of full surrender to Jesus that we have this access. And that's what I want us to focus our hearts on today and ask ourselves some questions around that concept because one of the most profound things that took place on the cross in Jesus' resurrection is that we were made joint heirs with Christ, that we are co-heirs of the full inheritance of God with Jesus. And so one of the verses, one of the main verses that we use, and if you guys know this verse because we've referenced it probably every week throughout this entire series, is this, Romans 8, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs. And if heirs of God, then co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we persevere with him, that we may also be glorified together. So the invitation then is for us to walk out our inheritance with Jesus through whatever it is that this life throws at us or whatever we walk through, that we persevere with him, continuing to walk in step and in cadence with him. And in so doing, it allows us to walk and release the full inheritance that God has for you and for me and wants to release through your life and through my life. Because now that Christ has accomplished what he came to accomplish, Scripture tells us in Ephesians 2 that we are seated with him in the heavenly realms because God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. How incredible is it that God the Father points at your life when you come into Christ and he redeems you and restores you and begins to show you what it means to live fully alive, that he points at your life and says, this is the story of what my grace can accomplish. Like, who are we to think of the Father just being so proud of us because we display his grace? What a gift and what a mind shift that needs to be for us as we walk through this life is that the Father's looking at you and going, yeah, that was a pretty messy story. Or it is a pretty messy story, whatever. But my grace is accomplishing something that people are going to notice and they're going to see and they're going to recognize as my hand and my miracle and my redemption at work. And so as we've been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, we are in Christ. Imagine yourself in Christ, not trying to fight in, but really sitting with him in the heavenly realms. 
That means in Ephesians 1 that Paul also says that we've been given every spiritual blessing as we've been seated with him in heavenly realms. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So now as joint heirs, Jesus' victory is shared with us. <laughs> Jesus' victory is shared with us when we accept God's invitation to be his sons and daughters. And in this way, his victory is our life source. And Vanessa and I were talking while I was getting my sweet Euro mullet. And she was reminding me of one of the phrases that we use around here is that we live from, not for. And so one of the things that I want us to walk out of this room today reminded of is that you guys, the source of our life would be we are living from the victory in Jesus, not living for it. We're not trying to prove it. We're not trying to manifest it and make it happen. We're not striving for it or grasping for it. It is the fact that what you live from is going to define your life. What you live for is going to cause you all sorts of heartache when you're grasping and, and grabbing at things. But what we want is to be people fully alive in Christ who live from this place of inheritance that God has given us a great gift in Christ and that we get to stand in Christ and live as the source of our life from his victory. And so the basic working definition of inheritance, did this just turn off? No, okay. So the basic working definition, I just lowered it from my uh, face a little bit accidentally. Um, so the basic working definition of our inheritance in a word is this victory that we have in Christ. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have victory over death. Scripture teaches us that, that, that he came to defeat death, sin and death. And so we have victory over death. We have victory over sin and we have victory over the works of the devil. As First John tells us that Jesus came, that the works of the devil would be destroyed. And victory over sin, it doesn't mean that you just have this list of behaviors that you follow. Sin is anything in your life that is pulling you away from the direction and the destination that God has for you. We talked about this a little bit last week, is that so often sin is not just a thing that I can say like, well, my list is this and your list is this. We're not here as a church to give you a giant list of behavior items, but we are going to ask you, are there any places in your life where you're settling for shortcuts of something that God has promised you in the future? Are there places where you've settled your life in a counterfeit of what God truly has for you. In the wilderness, we talked about Jesus, how the devil was, so, was tempting him to settle for a counterfeit destination. That would have been a sin for him to settle for less or to take a shortcut to what God had for him. So I don't want us to think about sin as a list of behaviors that say, well, if you go to church, you don't do this, 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 and you do this, 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 this. I would so much rather that you ask the Holy Spirit in your life to say, show me any places where I am settling for less than what you have for me. Show me any places in my life where I'm taking shortcuts. You desire that I would live fully loved. Where are shortcuts that I take to live to feel fully loved? You desire that I would be uh, completely successful in the things that I put my heart to and mind to. Where am I taking shortcuts for that? You desire that my marriage is flourishing and thriving. Where are there shortcuts or places that I've settled for less and that we would live out of that 
question for us to be able to live, to, for us to be able to say, I don't want this list, but I want this to be a true conversation with God about any places where I'm settling or taking shortcuts. But you have victory over sin. You have victory over hatred. We have victory over selfishness. We have victory over disobedience. And of course, I could go on and on and on and on of all the things that we have victory over because I'm not talking about your victory. I'm talking about Jesus's victory. And Jesus's victory is complete. And in Christ, we get to live in that victory. So I won't, I won't tire your ears out this morning by continuing to go through this list, but victory, hatred, selfishness, disobedience, and even victory in our circumstances. Now notice that I didn't say victory over your circumstances. We are not here to tell you that you're going to be victorious over every circumstance that you face. We're not idiots, right? We, we understand how life works and how this world is. And I'm not going to say you need to have victory over this and over that, but you can have victory in your circumstances. You can have victory in that conflict. You can have victory in that sorrow. You can have victory in that place where you are hurting or someone hurts you. You do not have to give up your victory based on the circumstances. Your victory may not determine that circumstances change or come out the way that you want them to, but you can absolutely carry the victory of Jesus in those circumstances and see him powerfully moving and refining your perspective and your responses to those things. And so I would say this, to the degree that you are walking in victory is the degree that you are accessing your inheritance in Christ on earth. To the degree that you are walking in victory is the degree that you are accessing your inheritance on earth. And any area of your life where you are not living in total victory is a candidate for God's goodness and power to visit and to set it right. So as I say this, oh man, any area of your life where you're not living in total victory is, is an area where you're not accessing your inheritance. Immediately, how many of us are going to be like, oh, that feels so shaming. That feels so heavy. Like I don't, I can think right now of some areas in my life where I don't have victory or some responses even today or this week that I'm not proud of. And clearly that's an area where, where I don't have victory. And if you're telling me, Ryan, that those are just places where I'm not accessing my inheritance, I feel shame. I feel like I failed. And you're never going to hear us from this stage or from this church. You're never going to hear us giving you lists and performances and hoops to jump through. And we're never going to, hopefully, that you never walk out of this room feeling shame or like you have to perform a certain way. In fact, if you ever do, you have my absolute permission to leave this church and run as far away and never come back. Because you should never come to someone who is teaching you about Jesus and walk away feeling burdened, heavy, or shamed. And so what I want you to hear is that the places in your life where you are not walking in total victory is not a place where God is going to come to you and point and say, now look at you, you failed. He's going to point at that place and say, that is an area for my goodness and for my healing and for my victory to make itself known. And so what happens is, is so often as we're failing or struggling or things aren't quite going the right way or we, we're making huge blunders, what do we want to do with those things? We want to hide them. We hide them from anybody. We hide them from everybody. We hide them from ourselves and we end up hiding them from God. Instead of going, wait, if your victory is so complete, Jesus, if your victory is so complete and it is my inheritance to coming into relationship with you gives me access to that entire victory. Your victory is my victory. And if, and if I can then step into that, I don't want to hide these things. I, in fact, want to open them up to you and show them to you and invite you into them because why? Because his victory wants to be made manifest in those places. I don't care how victorious you feel in the areas where you've got it all together. I want to know what Jesus' victory looks like in the places where 
you have struggles, where you have lies that have been imprinted on you from childhood and you're, and you're wrestling for freedom in those places. I wanna know what Jesus' victory looks like when nobody's watching. I wanna know what Jesus' victory looks like for you when you're really upset at somebody and, 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 they, and they stab you in the back or they turn their back on you. What does his victory look like in those places? Because if it doesn't extend to the fullness of our life, have we truly accessed that well of victory that he has for us? And so we wanna drink in deep of this victory so that it gets to every part of our lives, right? I started talking about wells and I'm like, you know what? I'm thirsty, spring up a well. Mm. So my, well, well now. So my invitation to you this morning is not to hide those places where you don't have it together, but to start presenting them to the Lord and giving the Spirit of God an opportunity and an invitation to work to see his victory manifest in those things. Victory isn't always the condition of your circumstances. Victory isn't always the conditions of your outcomes, but victory is always going to be determined and defined by the health and the depth of your connection to God in the midst of whatever it is that's going on in your life. It's not the absence of conflict. Truly, it's the peace that you carry through it. It's not the absence of pain. It's how he meets you in the midst of it. It's not the absence of doubt. It's not the absence of grief. It's what he does and how connected you are to him in the midst of it. And then what you choose to live out of. Am I going to live out of this pain? Or am I going to live out of his perspective and his victory and choose to connect myself to that and then respond to the world around me or to myself or to God or to people out of that place? And I know this probably goes without saying, but I want to be very clear. There is a difference between places in your life that are hurting and painful this morning and places in your life that are not experiencing victory. These are not to be conflated. These are not the same thing, correct? Just because something, some area of your life is hurting or there's pain in that area, that does not mean that you don't have victory in that area, okay? Just because there's an area of your life where there may be some fear or there may be some doubt or there may be some struggle, that does not necessarily mean that you don't have victory in that area. It just is this reality that says, God, how are you working and how, are, how can I invite you into that place to see your victory made whole? So I don't want us to think, oh, something is hurting in my life or something isn't quite right in my life. That must not be a place that's victorious. Sometimes victorious living is that I am actually experiencing more pain because I'm waking myself up to things that I've been numb in or have been numbing because of certain stuff. Speaking of the shortcuts earlier, I've been numbing and to be in total victory is really to begin to feel things. So I might say, do you, are you in total victory? Yes, I am. I'm, I'm experiencing victory and it's super painful. Why? Because I got away for 20 years with numbing this part of me that's hurting and now I'm beginning to feel it. Well, that's what victory looks like sometimes. So we want to understand that and not just have these blanket categories that we say. So, but do understand this, that every area of victory in your life is going to become a greater conduit through which the kingdom flows. It's going to become a greater conduit through which Jesus is able to invite people to know him and be made known and for him to be made known to them. 
it's going to be this conduit. And so when I, but when I say conduit, please, I, I know I've been around church a long time when people are like, conduit, yes, that's right, because it's all about God, and he's just going to use me like a pipe, and he's just going to shoot his glory through me, and I don't have to have any, anything to do with it. In fact, the less of me, the more of him, glory to the God of the Father, of Jesus and the Spirit. Right? So like, hey, if you could just turn yourself completely off and be a conduit, then you don't even have to, 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 to grab onto this inheritance at all. You just give it away. That's what we do in church. We just give it away, right? No, because you can't release, you can't give away what you don't possess, what you don't have. And so the inheritance comes to you. This inheritance of victory comes to you. You get to see it affecting your life and coming fully alive in Jesus. And then as a conduit, it goes out. And so every area of victory that I experience in my life makes this the 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 kingdom able to flow more and more through my life to this world around me that as sons and daughters who need to know that they have a father and a home and that they're invited home. And that happens through your life. It happens through my life. And so does that make sense when I say conduit? I'm not saying like just be this, have no personality, have no life, die to yourself, die to all your desires and dreams and wants. And like, those are all evil. They're not. They're ingrained in you. They're a part of you. And we'll talk about that next week, just coming alive to the inheritance of who God has created you to be and the specific anointing and call and passions that are on your life. But I want us to be understand that for us to be fully alive is to be fully ourselves in Christ, not like anyone else and not less, but more. Amen? All right. Where are we at? Okay, okay, okay. Oh, so cool, cool, activation. So let's, um, let's do this. I want you to get out, I told you to get out your papers and we're gonna, we're gonna talk for a couple minutes. I wanna ask you a couple questions. And I want you to do some writing and some reflection this morning. So Jesus, as we do this, we thank you that you are here. Your presence is here, your spirit, you're here to minister to us, to speak to us. We open up our, our ears and hearts to hear you. We want our inheritance. We want the victory that you have for us. And so would you speak to us this morning as we, as we take these next few minutes just to kind of workshop these thoughts. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I've been speaking to you, as I've been talking to you, um, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write out any areas where you're currently seeing or where you aren't currently seeing or experiencing Jesus' victory. And go. You've already been thinking of them. Stop it. You know, it's you know, like, oh, so much work. Don't read ahead. Just ignore it. Don't do it. Write out areas this morning where it feels like God is pointing at places where you're not walking in Jesus' victory. And by way of a reminder, when God points at those spots, he's not shaming you. He's saying, that's where I'm at work.
I'll give you about one more minute to just write those down. You don't have to push to like, oh, I got to think of a whole bunch. Please, no, there's no, uh, there's no reward for having a long list on these. Just the ones that, that are being highlighted to you or ones that come quickly to your mind or heart. Places where you're not experiencing the victory of Jesus in your, in your life, in your responses, in your outlook, in your perspective, in your levels of hope. Just write those down. And I know this is me repeating myself, but I really just am passionate that you hear this, is that not every area of pain or unresolved conflict or grief is an area that you aren't experiencing victory. Often you experience the victory of Jesus in pain, in conflict, in grief, in failure. So as you look at that list that you wrote down, I just, before we move on to the next question, I want to ask you, did you, did you write anything um, maybe that, isn't a place that necessarily needs to experience victory, but maybe it's just an emotion or a feeling. And for example, did you write down anything like um, fear or doubt or feeling overwhelmed, these types of things? If you did, I just want to circle those and I want to give you a thought about those. Those are not enemies that you need to fight. Those are messengers that you need to follow. Okay, so, so a lot of times we pick the wrong enemies and we can spend our entire life fighting. Like, I've got, I'll give you doubt as an example. Like, I've got to conquer this doubt in my life. I've got to conquer this doubt. And so you'll spend 10 years just fighting doubt. Every time I come to church, I wonder if God is real. Every time I open my Bible, it doesn't feel like it's, full, it's alive to me. I don't, I don't know. And is Jesus real? And, and these, I have all these, all these doubts. I need, to, I need to conquer my doubt. No, you do not need to conquer your doubt. Doubt is a messenger. What you need to do is find out what battle is that doubt from. And then you need to be able to go to that battle and find the source and go, that's the battle. That's where victory needs to take place is way over here in this battle. And all these places, all these, all these wanderers of, of doubt are coming to your heart. And you're like, I got to stop this. I got to stop these people of doubt. No, I, I would say, in fact, open up the gates of your heart to these folks because they're you. You know, invite them in to the table. Let them sit with Jesus. Let them hang out with Jesus and then ask them, where are you from? What is the battlefront that you're from? Because you can spend your whole life fighting things like doubt or fear or whatever and you're, you're fighting the wrong battle. Like fear has, has a source battle. Doubt has a source battle. It may be different for everybody. But if I'm just trying to attack the behaviors or the mechanisms of how it arrives or how I experience it, I may never get back to the root things. And that's where Jesus is like, you know what? I, for, for me to even begin to, to embrace your doubt and let that be a part of your story, I need to go back to this place of trauma. I need to go back to this lie. I need to go back to something in your history or I need to go back to something just that happened recently. And so let's make sure that as we are saying, we want Jesus' victory to be fully enforced in every area of our life, that we are not making the wrong enemies, okay? That we're not attacking the wrong thing. These are parts of who you are and they'll wander and they'll find their way to you and you can either bar the gate and go, oh, no, no, or you can open the gate and say, come on in, this is part of my story, this is part of who I am, but I know you come from somewhere and I wanna find out where that battlefield is and then I want Jesus to take me there so that I can experience victory. Um, does that make sense? Okay. 
second question in response to these. So you've circled some, and now you've got a few left, and, and, and let's, let's focus on those. There's places that we're inviting God. We want, I want to see your victory in these areas of my life. What would victory look like in these areas? I want this to be maybe really practical, really specific. Okay, let's, let's try not to deal in generalities. I would feel much better. Like, 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 look at these areas and tell me specifically, asking for miracles, victory, Jesus. Like, specifically, what would it look like to have victory in this area? Jesus, I'm asking that you would take us deeper than just behavior on this question, that you would show us the deeper things, the, the source things, those, those battlefields that are still undone. And we've ignored them. We've tried to fix our life without having to go back to those places. When we ask, God, what would victory look like in these areas that we wouldn't settle just on behaviors, God? We would go take us deeper. Take us to this, take us to the beginning. Take us to the origin. Where did this place that doesn't feel victorious, what was the origin of a lie or of a belief or of a wound that is still impacting me today and I'm living out of that? So as the Lord is showing you what victory would look like in this areas, I want in these areas, I want to ask, I want you to ask this question: How can I participate in that victory? What would it look like for me to participate here and now, right now? This is where you can get, um, maybe even a little bit more practical, not performancey, but even a little bit practical. Of what would it look like for you to take that area where you've believed a lie, or you've lived out of a false identity, and you haven't experienced the victory that God has for you? What would it look like for you to participate in Jesus' victory in that place? And as you guys pray on that for a minute, talk with the Lord about it. I'm gonna have a worship team come back up. 
and wants to have some time here at the end uh, just to worship together, have a response to stand in this victory. Um, so go ahead and continue to answer that question. How can you participate in that victory? And maybe these are bigger things where you just are gonna like, I've gotta go. It's time for me to stop denying this and I've gotta go back to something and I've gotta, I gotta meet Jesus in that place. Or I've gotta reach out for help. I've never asked for help for this particular place. I've gotta reach out for help. I'm doing it. No more of this you know, silent struggle or living in, in this pain. I'm reaching out for help. Maybe it's something really simple and practical. Spirit of God, speak to us. Speak to us. as maturing disciples who follow Jesus is that we don't get to just sit back and say fix it but he asks us to partner and to participate with this victory being manifest in our life so the last question with that in mind is then if that's the case then how can I cultivate a connection to God in the middle of these places even if they're still undone. Even if I don't see absolute victory there. Even if I know that this is just the beginning. More important than the outcome is your ability to wait on the Lord and experience His presence in the midst of whatever that is. Your victory is determined and defined far more by who he is to you in your struggle than by your ability or even his ability to get you out of the struggle. restoration for you and he shows it to you in the midst of that place and he doesn't hold it up to you as a carrot and say oh if you could just dig yourself out of that pit and I'll give you this over here but he's coming to you in the midst of these places the power of that revelation of how deeply known and seen and loved and valued you are should be the only motivation that you have for any change that ever happens in your life. We do not change to get the Father's approval. We do not change to get His love. We don't change so that He sees us or pats us on the back. It is in experiencing Him in the midst of these places where you're saying, I'm not seeing the victory that I know Jesus has. Invite Jesus there. Invite Jesus there and allow Him to meet you in that place. And in that love and in that safety and in that power and in his presence, you coming fully alive is going to enable you to rise up and to walk out the things that he's asking you to do so that you can see victory come in those places. Your destiny is not to be in bondage to sin.
Your destiny is not to be in bondage to always being so concerned with what other people think that you'll change yourself to get their approval or their attention. Your destiny isn't to having a perfect family or a perfect home or a perfect business or any of those things. But your destiny, the purposes that God has for you is that you would have a greater experience of the victory of Christ in your life that you have to recognize these areas where God is pointing and asking you can I have access to that place for lack of a better picture Jesus wants to come into the front door of our house and he wants to bring his presence and his victory into every single room and a lot of us have gotten really good by having Jesus hanging out he's in our living room and he's comfortable in our kitchen whatever but Jesus, for you and for me, he wants access to our entire life, our entire heart, our entire home. And that means there's a lot of doors that we have that we can have that are locked up and we're not experiencing victory in those places. And we're afraid that if we open those up to Jesus, that he's gonna open those doors and say, oh, this is terrible, this is disgusting. What we're not realizing is that it is in giving him access to those rooms, unlocking those doors, is that his victory now can extend to those places that previously we had locked off to him. Your destiny is, in, is absolute victory in Jesus, in every part of your life, in every part of your heart, in every part of your mind, in every part of your legacy, in every part of your past, in every part of your future. All he's asking you for is access. Because anywhere that Jesus has access to, he brings victory.
places would not, would no longer be a hindrance or a lie that you would believe that you can't. You can. In Him, you can. And in Him, you will. And there may be things that you need to shift or change or conversations you need to have or jobs that you need to give up or, or, or places that you need to walk away from or things that you need to radically change in your relationships. And you're like, God, I can't, I can't. even in the most heinous 